Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 98 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, Becky and I are going to be talking about something that I think is... uh, it's going to be, it's a painful subject. Okay. And it's a subject that I get asked questions about all the time from the women who are in my programs, the flying free and the flying higher programs. It, we're going to be talking about relationships with our older kids. And I'm talking about relationships with kids that are 18 and older who are out of the house, or they could still be living with you, but they're basically adults. They've you, your work with them is your hard work with them is, is done. And now they get to make their own choices and they get to have their own beliefs and they get to be on their own journey. The only problem is that we as moms feel like we're being yanked along for the ride and the ride is not very pleasant. And so, okay. So first of all, hi, Becky. I just want to say hi. Hey, Natalie. (laughs) She's here, but I want to kind of preface this whole thing. Um, And I know Becky can relate because we both come out of the same kind of background, but I am talking to moms who are listening, who were like all in on parenting. Okay. We were the, we were the moms that were, gave up our careers to stay home and homeschool and bake bread and make, and make healthy meals and be a homemaker and, and be there for our kids, pacing the kitchen floor, praying for them every day. We had this vision. Oh, Becky, why don't you tell, what, what was your vision? Well, what did I you believe say, that all of this was going to bring about in, in the future of your life and your children? Yeah, and I would say um, most of what I desired as a mom was to not be like my abusive mom. So I think a lot of us come out of not such healthy home lives And we want to do it completely different. And we know that if we think if we work hard enough that it's going to all turn out. And so we easily buy into systems. And in homeschooling, there are these ideas that if you do A, B, and C, the result is going to be D, E, and F or whatever. Yeah. Um, And so I was, let me homeschool them. Let me make a fresh dessert every day, have the house impeccably clean, make sure that they have all this fun with tea parties for the girls, uh, baseball and Legos with the boys and, you know, an hour of Bible every day, praying for them every morning. Um, But it doesn't work. And, and, and I'm going to say, it's not, it's not only because we were in abusive homes. It wasn't just because my spouse was abusive. The idea that I latched onto was that basically my child was not their own independent self, that I could manipulate their entire lives to some, what I thought was this wonderful end. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's twofold. I don't think it's just because of the abuse. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it was, it was a, it was a, you use the word system for like the, the formulas that we use, but I'd like to use the word system. It's as in, in this way, it was a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it was being a part of it was being married to someone 
who was really hypocritical, putting on one face on the outside, but then behind the scenes, manipulating and being and being critical and um, negative and undermining a lot of the things that we were trying to do. And then we, and then part of it was we went along with that. We thought that that was normal, possibly because we grew up in homes where that was normal. And so we thought, I don't know. What do you think? I I would say, yeah, we, some of us grew up in homes like that, but I also think for me, the church was telling me that a good wife is quiet. A good wife is supportive. A good wife is submissive. A good wife, even though her husband has trouble, all men have troubles. (laughs) I don't think they realized the magnitude of the trouble I was having, even though I begged, (laughs) but um, yeah, I think so. So I, let me fast forward real quick to today. I have five kids. Um, the last one turns 18 next month. Um, I have good, I have with four of my kids, I would say I have a good relationship, but I feel like I walk on eggshells a lot. Yeah. And part of that is me and part of that is them. And what I am, and I, this is, I would say, I would rather go through the abuse of my spouse than the pain of my child not having, you know, having to walk on eggshells around them or not having a good relationship or always questioning the relationship. I will walk away from inter- exchanges and it's peaceful, but I walk away questioning, what did I say? Am I going to, you know, cause I, I feel like I'm this fragility of, you know, they went through this divorce. They only have one parent now. Um, so I think there's there's just a there's a plethora of issues in this in being a parent to an adult after 20 or after decades of being in an abusive marriage and it is not easy at first I think to navigate. Yeah. Well, and I th- so I th- what I'm hearing you saying is that we're we're not really sure and I can feel this too. We're not really sure where our responsibility begins and where it ends. And we, I've, I know I've spent so many years feeling so responsible for all of these people. I have nine kids if for those who don't know and feeling responsible for my husband and feeling responsible for these nine kids and that whatever happens in their lives, if they're happy or they're unhappy, it is directly related to something that I did or said or thought or believed and that I need to, if it's brought about a bad result that I need to somehow change it and make it better for all these people. And I, it's exhausting. Exactly. Exhausting is the perfect word for one, because you lose a lot of sleep over it. Yes. The emotional drainage of walking away. And, you know, you know, when I have a conversation with you, Natalie, or with my best friend, I never walk away thinking about everything we said. And that <laughs> right there, that should be a clue to stop and think what is going on here. And I think when I um, really sit back and think, think about it all. And I, and, you know, I try to educate myself as much as possible. The one thing I had to realize was, no, I was not the perfect parent by far, not the perfect parent. I did my absolute best with what I knew at the time though. I can say that wholeheartedly, you know, me, if I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound. And, um, but whether I want to really accept it or not, they were in a home with an abuser for two decades. 
their entire, and that's the thing, it's their entire life. They yeah. were in this home when they and, were developing, when their brains exactly. were developing. And so they, whether they realize it or not, developed habits from what they learned or the, 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 the uh, culture for lack of a better word, the environment, that's a better word. The environment of our home taught them that certain dynamics were okay. Now, some of my kids are, are realizing this as they get older and they're realizing that's not a healthy dynamic. And, you know, I don't think in any way are a lot of times I can't speak for every child, but I can definitely speak for, I think most of them, they are not in any way like our spouses in that they are uh, intentional. They're more like they're just, it's a habit. So uh, one child might, so I do have one child that really treats me like my ex. And I had to put some firm boundaries down in that. Oh my gosh, that's the most painful thing. Still to this day, it's the most painful. I think about it at least three to five times a day. Yeah. Um, another child, I, well, and here's another thing I've learned is what is the one thing that your ex-spouse did the under, he would undermine you. And, and what that did is, and, you know, coming from a home just like that, I tried to reflect back to, okay, what was I thinking when I was 18, 19, 20 about my parents? Obviously I just like my kids could not stand the abusive parent. In my case, it was my mother. I I would go so far as to say I despised her. Um, And then, but my father, I resented him. And I held very little respect for him because in my immature frontal lobe, not developed brain, all I saw was here's an abuser and here's the one that could save me from it, but he's choosing not to. And so, or the, the, the lack of respect came from why didn't you have the guts to challenge her? Why didn't you have the guts to stop it? Why didn't you, you know what I mean? So I, I even, my dad was my best friend. He passed about five years ago and we had a very close relationship, but do you know, to the day he passed in the back of my mind, there was this tiny little thing of, I'm not sure you really know what you're talking about because of my childhood. So when I have a conversation with my kids, I don't think it's right for me to expect or even um, require there to be a certain level of respect for, for their entire lives. They were taught not to respect me. That doesn't mean they don't love me. And that's, that's, uh, that's where I had to really come to some, you know, training my brain to think the right way is mm-hmm. they do love me. I know that. They don't necessarily respect me, but they were trained to be that way. But now what, what is my responsibility and all that? Well, there's certain levels of um, behaviors that I will not allow. It's boundaries, just like it would be boundaries with, and I know this sounds weird because it's your child, but like if you went to a job and, you know, you have coworkers and, you know, they hate you. Well, that's fine, but there's still boundaries you're going to set for everyone in your life, whether they're your, you know, they're your child or not. Yeah. And that's how I look at my kids. So, um, one, one child, um, loves me to death, but she has her own issues. 
And the way that my husband, my ex-spouse taught all of my kids to deal with me was when their life is not going right, when they have an obstacle, when they have something to overcome, when life is just kind of crappy, what do they do? They turn and blame it all on mom. That's what my ex did, right? Yes. So that's exact. They are responding how they were trained. So the only thing I can do is, and I hate to say this, it's relate to them like I would my ex and say, you know, I am sorry that you're having a really tough day and that, that this situation, this obstacle is in your life now, but I'm not the obstacle and I love you to death and I'm here to help you. And, and what I've learned is I cannot help them and don't even try yeah. because they already have it in their mind that you're the problem. Again, it's how their brain was trained. (laughs) Well, and you're supposed to fix it. Even if you're not the, you're the problem because you're not fixing it. Exactly. Exactly. So I have to, I hate, I mean, I just have to look at my kids like I would anybody else and say, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that is not the truth. I am not responsible for your hardship and I am not going to be the one that fixes it. I wish you the best. And and I literally have stopped giving my opinion because that makes it worse. Yeah. I just have to be responsible for what I will or will or will not do or can or cannot do. And I, I just need to not entangle myself too closely with them. You know, my husband said to me not, uh, not too long ago, the good husband, um, he says, you know, he has three of his own kids and he's a really good example of how entrenched an, a, a parent should be with an adult child. And it's like not entrenched at all. In fact, what I've seen is his kids have troubles. They don't tell him they solve it themselves. And I think that's more normal or more natural or more health or healthier than and, and that's the other thing I had to think about was, okay, so why are my kids coming to me with their problems? Not that I don't want them to, but becoming your own person should mean that you deal with your own problems, right? Right. So part of this is I need to push them to, to take care of their own problems for themselves. And, and so be, be as little involved as possible, but that doesn't mean I'm not part of their lives. We have a get together today with the whole family and, you know, dinner and I'll make a good dinner. We'll sit around the table and enjoy each other's company, but that's it. I'm not going to, you know, if I had uh, the neighbors over, I'm not going to sit there and ask how every part of their life is going. That's not my, that's not my job. That's not my place. And so I'm trying to realize that's how I need to treat my adult kids. Because if I do anything else, it really does backfire. That's very interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm really feeling everything that you're saying. I feel like for me, it's been, it's the same thing. It's trying to figure out the difference between loving my kids and then getting entangled with their lives. And um, is the perfect word. Yeah, because I feel, uh, and when I am entangled, which I usually am, I I feel like I've I'm I've got emotional whiplash all the time because there's so many of them and they all have different kinds of issues going on, right. and they all have different levels of wanting to relate to me or to come to me or whatever. And I want so I want them to come to me because I want to support them. This part of I think. 
I think part of loving our, if our kids come to us and they want to tell us what's going on, I like, I want to, I want to be there and listen and love them. Um, but like you said, I don't have to then feel the pressure and not that they're all, um, I'm thinking of one child who would never put pressure on me to fix his problems ever, you know, so they're all different, you know, they all have different idiosyncrasies, but he would never put pressure on me to fix his problems, but I care so much about him that I entangle myself in his problems. I think almost to the point where he's like, mom, just stop. Like, yeah. mom, yeah. you gotta, I'll be fine. I'll be, fi- just let me figure out my own life. Um, so that that's where I need to step back and just let him be a man and figure out his own life and not be so scared that, you know, not be so scared, basically. Yeah, that, that they're going to do what? Exactly what we did. Fell on our face, learned some things. <laughs> right. Made I, mean, mistakes. I, yeah. I think, I think now as the women who have come out of these, these marriages, I think my greatest fear is that they're going to end up doing something that will cause two decades of pain. And I have to remember that, first of all, that's, that's their decision, right? And even though it was two decades of pain, I'm a much better person for it. I wish it never happened, but it's not the end of my life either. Um, thank goodness it wasn't, <laughs> but um, I'm like you. So what I've learned is even, cause you know how you, your kids are around you and you can feel, you can sense a problem with one of them. Yes. Yes. I need, I have learned to shut my mouth. Do not ask if they want to talk they will talk to me. Yeah. I and need to get so, better at that. <laughs> so, and then when they do want to talk, the other thing I've learned is shut my mouth and listen right. and yes. don't try to fix it because here's what we learned in these bad marriages. There's a problem, whether it's because of our theology, the church or how we were raised, we think we've got to fix it. That's not true. If yeah. Today, if my good husband has a problem, I just tell him, I love you. I'm there for you. And I know you're going to work through this. I don't say, what can I do to fix it? Right. You know, sometimes I might say, do you need help? Yeah. You know, not, not coming up with the solution. The problem is now we have these brains. Our brains are trained to problem solve all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember this funny because I just had a memory of um, my my counselor who amazing, you know, he did the EMDR and all that. And and all he kept saying was, you need to learn to be just learn to be. And I didn't realize how significant that was, because if you're always trying to solve the problem, you're never just being. And part of being is experiencing everything around you that's going on. So instead of me trying to fix my kids' problems, instead of me trying to figure out, not only (laughs) fix the problem, but, you know, go one step further, let me psychoanalyze you and figure out where this came from in your childhood. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm, I'm raising my hand, totally guilty. And my older kids would really, really love it if I would just knock that off. Mine too. So that's enough. That's where I just learned. Listen. So don't ask and then don't interrupt. Just listen and then ask one question. 
I, well, you say, say, you know, obviously my heart, I care for them. So I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I hate that you're experiencing this. Do you want me to help? That's my only responsibility mm-hmm. because a lot of times they'll say no. Yeah. They just like, you know, Natalie, I've called you before we've talked and I just needed somebody to vent to. I just need somebody to understand what I was going through. I didn't expect you to fix my problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's what they need from us. And I think if we can learn to, if we can rewire our brains to, to again, get free from that, that abusive marriage and that idea of fixing everything that we could actually experience a really great relationship with our child. And here's the kicker. That means you are not as enmeshed with them as you think. A great, that whole system you're talking about, like if I read my Bible, if I raise them the right way, if I homeschool them, if I do all these things, the end result of that is like a super enmeshed relationship with your child that's very unhealthy. Yeah. Are you a woman of faith who also happens to be divorced? I've been developing a brand new program that will give you the tools you need to manage your thoughts and emotions grow your self-confidence so that you can take risks and do things you never dreamed possible, and so you can build happy, healthy relationships with other people. Did you know none of this good stuff depends on your outward circumstances or your past? You can generate the life you've dreamed of all by yourself, and I'm going to teach you how through online classes and transformational coaching. Are you ready to take your new life to the next level and fly higher? Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyinghigher.com. So if we can just get away from that idea that enmeshment means a good relationship, a good relationship is enjoying time together. Mm-hmm. I think we, we can... I'm really just talking to myself at this point. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm like this. (laughs) No, I love it. This is so good for me. I'm actually I'm doing this um, this talk for um, Bob and Polly Hamp are having a conference in January, and I'm writing. I'm in the middle of writing my talk, and I'm putting together my slideshows for it. And my slideshows show this. It's like a universe, a circle. And I'm trying to show how we need to separate our universes from the universes of other people. So I've got this calm, peaceful looking woman in this circle with stars behind, you know, it's like a universe. And then these other angry, mad people kind of around her. And in one slide, all of their universes are like crowded up against hers and she's feeling anxiety and stress. And then in the other slide, their universes are separate. They're still having all of their problems, but she is a separate person. And so she's able to have peace inside of her own mind. And that's what I think most of us moms are just really longing for is, could I just have some peace and rest inside of myself? And I was thinking, you know, even if our kids don't respect us and they may not, I think they have some kind of respect for us, but even if they don't respect us, Um, and they just love us. We have to respect ourselves and we can, I think that we can get the love and the respect that we need as human beings, because everybody needs love and respect from knowing our creator loves and respects what his creation of us. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that we can also manage our minds to the point where we love and respect ourselves. And from that fullness of feeling love and respected in our, from ourselves, we can actually love and respect our children in a healthy way that keeps them, that keeps their universe separate from ours and gives right. them autonomy and agency of their own to, um, like you said, to solve their own problems and not feel like we have to be the ones to solve them. I think we were, uh, I I texted you something not too long ago and I said, the irony is um, in our abuse, we were not given autonomy. And yet when we get out, it's almost like we don't want to give our kids what we didn't have. And that's, that's kind of scary. Um, Right. So, and I also want to say the only reason I, am saying what I'm saying is because I had to figure it out through the pain of the un like I just didn't know where my relationship was with my kids like I know and I do know that they love me I do know that but I think there's this big difference between loving somebody like think about your let's think about a sibling you can love a sibling but you might not respect them and the respect I'm thinking of is my kids respect me for making them dinner they love my homemade food. <laughs> they respect me for keeping a clean house. They were, but they do not want to hear my problem solving because yeah, yeah. in the back of their head, I know because I did this myself and I'm not sure I can ever, I'm not sure it will ever be overcome and I'm okay with that. That's what I have to be okay with. Um, is this, this gnawing, why did you, they, my kids have said to me, why did you stay for 20 years? Why didn't you get us out earlier? And you know, there's no good answer to that because uh, I'm kind of damned if I do, damned if I don't. Right. I could have got you out earlier. You would have had to have, you know, visitation with a child molester. Like, I I don't know at what point it would have been good for, for me to leave. And then vice versa, though, or on the other hand, they spent 20 years and now you know, they, I've lost some respect. I've lost some, yeah, they're very proud of me for like building a business or making a new product. They're very proud of me, but I don't think that they, um, there's just this lack of, and and I, when I say lack of respect, I don't mean like dislike, disdain, you know, hatred. I'm talking just, they kind of question my ability my, my uh, problem solving or mental ability, like, yeah, she really doesn't know what she's talking about. Look what she did with her life, which I get. Yeah. I, I have to be okay with that. And I am. Well, and I think sometimes they might say that or come across that way, but I wonder how much of what we say, actually, they think about it later and it comes back to them and they kind of wonder, you know, it, I think, I think it's, it's not all bad. You, the yeah. other thing. One other thing I was going to say about what you were talking about as far as respect, I think sometimes too, our kids, they feel so safe around us. I like to think that my kids feel safe enough to be able to dump. Yes. Like if, if they knew that, cause I know families where the kids are actually, they're very respectful, but they are not 
very close because they do, afraid of their parents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're not safe because they know that they're going to get a lecture they're, And actually, okay. So I want to actually bring up this point too, because um, one other thing I'm seeing, I don't see it as much, but I do see some moms will ask questions about, you know, they'll be like, well, I think my older child should do this, this, and this, and they won't. And what can I do to get them to do those things? Yeah, and that's, that's like, whoa, ho, ho, no, 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 no. We cannot, when our kids are, I really, I, I mean, I don't know if, if this is good or bad, but when my kids are around 16 years old, 15 to 16, I start taking my hands off of them. Exactly. And I start yes. letting them drive their own life. Yes. And, and because they've got to, it's better for them to learn responsibility under your home under the umbrella of legal responsibility till 18, um, then to learn it at 18 and, and be, you know, have yeah. bigger problems. Um, yeah. And, and if you're, if you're wanting your child to do a specific thing, you're really prepping them to get into relationships where that becomes the norm, which is what we've all gotten out of. Does that right. make sense? Like you don't right. want the cycle to continue. Right. We want to teach them agency that they, you, you get to decide. In fact, I was just reading a book to my kids, my littler kids called, oh gosh, what's it called? Boundaries, consent. It's like, I can't remember what it's called. Anyways, I probably should have, well, I didn't know I was going to say this. Otherwise I would have prepped it before the podcast, but it's a children's book and it basically teaches boundaries and consent and when to say yes and when to say no, and that you have the right to say yes or no. And the one page was taught in this page, there was a little boy and he was his little sister. He wanted a hug from his little sister. They were little kids. Okay. It's a cartoon. And the little girl was kind of looking up at him like, ew, I don't want a hug right now. And my son, my 10-year-old says, why doesn't she want a hug? What's wrong with a hug? Why doesn't she just give him a hug? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter why she doesn't want a hug. What matters is that she doesn't want a hug. That's all that matters. And right. so the little boy needs to respect that and back off. Well, he just couldn't understand why that was. These are things that are embedded in the psyches of our children yeah. And we need to teach them, no, not only does your little sister get to say no, but you get to say no as well. You don't have to hug your grandma just because she wants a hug. You could say, no, thanks. Not going to hug you. You don't have to hug. These kids aren't learning this. What they're learning is it's the polite thing to do to make someone happy, especially if they're an older person than you. Oh, if that little child asked for your toy, you better give it to them because that's the Christian godly thing for you to do. You, you share. And they unfortunately, it's kids to be trampled on and manipulated yes. by everybody in their lives. Right. And they're, they're learning that they have less value each time because it's better to say when you want to give a person a hug and they want to hug you, isn't that great? You both are doing what you want to do. Right. You know, right. Um, I had a conversation with a daughter this past week and uh, it was on a sensitive matter. And, and, and this, this, this child is, is fantastic. We have a great relationship, but I walked away and it was in the morning before she went to work. And so I was, I, I was kind of beating myself up. Like you shouldn't have talked to her before work. You're going to ruin her day because we were talking about a sensitive topic. 
And I was, I was actually calling to ask her something about her experience as a child. And of course, that that for my kids, it's not a happy thing to think about when they were a child with, with what their father did. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I'm sitting here beating myself up all day. And I kept trying to go, Becky, it's not, you know, you did, you, there's nothing you said that was wrong. You know, she could, she could have, if she didn't want to talk about it, she could have told you, you know, trying to, you know, re reprogram myself. <laughs> right. And then she calls me at like seven o'clock that night. She's like, I'm so glad we talked. I, I really, it helped me really reframe the way I was thinking wow. about this thing. And I'm sitting there going, I was killing myself all day. Right. Wondering if I had hurt my relationship with her, you know, so it's not like something I've anyway mastered. <laughs> it's just now I go back and go, okay, what did, why was I feeling that way? What work do I need to do? I don't need to work on my kids. Like you said, we did all the diaper changing when they were little. We need to start working on ourselves and stop trying to work on them. Yes. I think that's a good place to stop. There you go. Actually, thank you so much for listening. And you guys, this is episode 98. We've got two more episodes till we reach episode 100. And I've got, so we're recording this. I usually, we record our podcasts way in advance. It's, it's October 31st today, but you're listening to this in December, but in two weeks, we're going to have episode 100 and it's going to be, I'm, I'm actually working on this right now. I'm taking about 20 second to 30 second excerpts from every single episode that we've had so far and putting them together into one master episode. I'm not sure how long it's going to end up being, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but um, it'll have all these little clips of like just little sound bites, uh, you know, just amazing little quotes that are, that our guests have given or whatever. Um, my profundity, of course, will be part of it. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds <kidding>. awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening to this episode. And Becky, thanks for coming, joining me on this kind of painful, but fascinating subject of parenting older kids. Anytime. Until next time, fly free.